Hello world, how y'all doing? It's John Roper here again. This is another episode of Roped In. It's Christmas Eve, or if you're listening to this on Christmas, Merry Christmas to all. Um, if you're listening to this after, I hope you had a great Christmas. Um, I've got a, a bit of a funner segment going on today. I was recording with my good friend Ian, who's going to be on the episode, and you know we were we were going with it, and and I have seen this idea floating around social media, so I'm not going to say it was my idea, and, and I should get the credit. Um, but it's, it's a fun little thing that I saw going around. So what it is, is we did a NBA fantasy draft. So we, we drafted a, a full starting lineup. Um, but we used Christmas characters instead of real life characters because it's the Christmas season. Um, so I had a lot of fun doing that, uh, thinking of the Christmas characters, going back and forth, just joking around. It was a lot of fun. And also in the actual real sports segment, Going on in the world and, and, and sparking some news is the college football transfer portal. So it's going to be me and Ian talking about our thoughts on what the transfer portal has done to NCAA and college sports. And also what we think the NIL deals have also done to change the landscape of college sports. So without further ado, sit back, relax. Ho, ho, ho. And here we are talking about the NCAA. I am joined by my good friend, Ian. Hey, Ian. Hey, John. Long time since I've been on the podcast, but here I am. I'm back. Yeah, I know. Um, everybody, as I've always said, Ian's one of my really, really good friends, so I always have fun recording with him. Um, so I'm glad to have him on. And again, like I mentioned, we're going to be talking about our thoughts on some of the changes that have gone on in college, which predominantly you see in the football and basketball programs. Um, but realistically, these are implemented across all different sporting uh, programs at these uh, colleges. So it's, again, our thoughts on how the NIL deals have changed college football. Or sorry, see, there I said it. It's so dominant. How NIL has changed college sports, or specifically NCAA sports. And also how the transfer portal has affected the same thing. Um, so I'll quickly explain for those that don't know the NIL deals is um, stands for name, image, and likeness. So previously, when you were a college athlete, no matter what kind of money was made off your your name and your fame, it realistically um, all went towards the school in the NCAA. But now players can make money for themselves. So it's not like they can get paid by the school to play quarterback for Alabama. But if they're in a commercial for Kentucky Fried Chicken, now can they can now make money off of that. Um, or they can sign autographs and those kind of things, which wasn't a thing before. Um, we'll get into it a little bit, but that's the thing that hurt Reggie Bush and why his Heisman got taken away is because he made money on the side. Uh, and then the transfer portal. So the transfer portal, I'm going to spend a little bit more time explaining. So it's now different. Previously, when you kind of committed to your school in, in college, you stayed there. And for the most part, you were there the whole time because it wasn't as easy to go to a different school. Um, the, the transfer system, I'll say, was always there. What you were able to do was transfer. Like, you would go to your coach and basically say, hey, it's not working out here. And if you two mutually agreed you wanted to move on, the coach would help facilitate. So he would kind of himself or yourself, you would be the ones in charge of putting the word out to kind of market yourself to get to these other schools. Uh, what the transfer portal has done is just really simplified the process. So 
It's an online database that, again, you go to your coach, you get this mutual agreement. You can't just go into it when you want. The, the, the school that you're currently at has to agree that you can go to the transfer portal. Um, and then it's an online database. So say John Roper plays for Alabama. Um, I'm entering my third year. They just recruited this stud uh, freshman that's going to start over me. I now want to go out. So I talk to the coach and say, hey, realistically, I'm not your long-term plans. Can I please go to another school? Turns out he's got another backup ready to go. So he says, yep, sure, you can get out of here. I enter the transfer portal. He puts my name onto this online database. Now every school has access to the database to see, oh, John Roper is now in the transfer portal. I can go after him. The transfer portal does have windows. Uh, so it's, I believe it's from December 4th till January 2nd, and then also April 15th to April 30th. Now that's definitely football. I don't know if the different sports change because as I said, uh, it's this exact same for every sport. Everybody puts their name into this portal, whether you're on the rowing team, the swimming team, the ice hockey team, anything. Uh, and the final thing I'll mention just to explain how the transfer portal works is it's not a commitment. You you don't have to leave. So if you put your name out there and, and no school picks you up, you can go back. Now, again, it's kind of awkward to go to your coach and say, hey, I don't want to play here anymore. And then not get picked on the school ground and then walk back and be like, sub coach and back. Um, so, I mean, kind of awkward, but again, if it's a mutual agreement between you and the coach and the coach is respectful enough, I can see a situation where it's, Hey, try and find something for yourself. I'm all for it. I'm not necessarily going to help in any way. I put your name in the portal. It's up to you to do the work. If it doesn't work, I'll gladly have you back on the team. Most likely as a backup long-term future for a guy that wants to leave probably isn't there. Um, Yes, that's the transfer portal, a little bit more detail explained than I did on the NILs. Uh, so yeah, thanks for bearing with me through all of that. My overall thoughts on both, absolutely love. I don't know what you think, Ian. I think for me, I like the idea of the NIL, especially for athletes. Just as a quick aside, I think it makes sense that you're focusing on basketball and football because you look at the commercial side of those two sports the fans that they bring into the game, the marketing ability they have for those players. Look at March Madness. That is a billion dollar tournament at this point. So the money exactly. is definitely in those sports. Yeah. Um, but for any athlete that's in a college or university, that might be the peak of their career. And if you give them the, the opportunity, especially with those NIL deals to make money over the course of those four years, which might be the most they can make off their athletic talent in their lifetime, because it, a lot of people don't go pro after university, so I'm all for it. I think it gives them a great avenue to capitalize on that opportunity as a as a student athlete in college. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, I mean, it's one where I I've always thought that it should be a thing. Don't get me wrong, I I agree with the idea of you're in college, you shouldn't be paid to play the sport because then it's just going to become a money grabber. Alabama's always going to have the best team because they're always going to have the money to pay the quarterback to play for them. And you're never going to have the middle schools build themselves up. But if you're, especially in the in today's age with social media, if you're just popular enough at promoting yourself, why the heck not be able to make money? One of the things that I remember really pissed me off. And again, maybe I don't have all the facts, but I remember there was a, a natural disaster that happened um, somewhere down in the States. This was back when Trevor Lawrence was still playing quarterback for Clemson. But there was a natural disaster somewhere that happened, and uh, Trevor Lawrence tried to start a GoFundMe 
in order to raise money to donate towards the recovery of this natural disaster. Um, forgive me for not remembering, but I know you can Google this. It was a Trevor Lawrence GoFundMe that the NCAA shut down um, because Trevor Lawrence wasn't allowed to make money off of his name, regardless of whether it was going towards a donation of um, recovery of this natural disaster. NCAA said, no, 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 that's money off your name. That means that money belongs to us. Um, so they had to shut down the GoFundMe. So it's those kind of things where I've always thought the NCAA is corrupt. I mean, they're corrupt in different ways. But this is something that I do like. It's it's something where I'm on the pro side of give Reggie Bush his Heisman back. For those of you that don't know, Reggie Bush was a legendary. I mean, if there's an NCAA Hall of Fame, he's first ballot, no doubt, poster boy of college football. I mean, as a running back for the USC Trojans, he, I don't know my history of college football. Well, I don't know what you think, Ian. I think without a doubt, Reggie Bush is the top 10 college football player of all time. Yeah, I would say he's up there with what he did in college. He was always just that extra step faster. He had he was, he a huge advantage over his Bush opponents. USC highlights people. It is, you will not be upset. It didn't necessarily translate to the NFL as much because no. then the talent pool was that much better. But his time at USC is, yeah, it was I mean, he won the Heisman for a reason, right? Yeah. Undeniable. So yes, as Ian just mentioned, he won the Heisman. Uh, I don't know if they took it away right away or how many years later they took it by. Then it turned out that Reggie Bush was making some money on the side. Um, just based on his popularity and his name, they took his Heisman away and they still haven't given it back. NALs are now a thing. Um, give the man his Heisman trophy back. He deserves it. He's one of the greatest football players of all time. And the amount of money that he raised for USC and college football during his four years there Give him his trophy back. He deserved it. Um, but the NIL is a really good thing. As you mentioned as well, it allows the people who aren't going to make it in the pros. I mean, I'm going to use basketball as the example. There's 30 teams in the league with a two-round draft. You do the math, there's 60 players a year getting drafted, and there's 120 Division One schools. And realistically, the top programs are putting in two to three kids a year. So when you're playing on these NCAA teams, that's it, as you said. Like March Madness is the peak of it, even if you make it to there. But that's going to be the end of it. But if you can promote yourself well enough, why not be able to make money off of it? Especially, again, as you said, like nowadays with the social media and these influencers having a job, if you can have no talent and just shake your butt in your living room and make a million dollars, why can't the guy that's actually playing basketball for his college do the same thing on social media and make money off his name? So, yeah, the the NILs and those kind of deals, I absolutely love. Um, again, I don't there's there's no flaw to it. I don't I don't know if there's anything I would change. I don't know enough about it to say there's there's bad things to it. I love everything about the NILs that I've seen. I think this lends as a natural segue into the transfer portal because you touched on it a bit earlier, John. It might be something that people use as the draw to the bigger schools. So Maybe you start at a smaller university and then Alabama's like, hey, if you enter the transfer portal, we'd love to be. And I know there's like recruiting rules that that might violate. But if you think you have a better shot at making more money at a big school, the transfer portal's there now, which might be this, this draw and also leads to the question of, would you rather be a little fish in a big pond at a big school or would you rather be the big fish in a little pond at a smaller school, like be the guy? There. So I think this leads well into that transfer portal side of things because the NIL is connected in ways to that. 
Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with it. And maybe it's because I don't know enough. I'm also pro transfer portal. Um, again, as I've mentioned with NIL, you can now make money off of it. I saw a stat this morning. Now, granted, they're comparing endorsement money to salary money. I'm sure Brock Purdy's endorsement money has increased it. But Brock Purdy, who is the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, he was Mr. Irrelevant, so he was the very last pick of his draft. He's the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, and believe it or not, he's having that true story of last pick of the draft and is now one of the favorites, if not the favorite, for winning the NFL MVP. Um, I'm not going to get side-segued. He's not my MVP. Um, I hate to say system quarterbacks because you, you still got to be talented. There's a lot of quarterbacks that can win in that San Francisco system. Um, I don't want to say he doesn't make the right decisions, but the three weeks that Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle were down, he looked absolute garbage and they lost all three matches. Uh, He has the most yards, yes, but the least completions, um, which some say, oh yeah, he chucks the ball deep. I've seen football. He he dumps it down. Sorry, this isn't a side segment on Brock Purdy. Sorry, sorry. He's not my MVP, guys. Um, But he's only making, what is it, $950,000 this year. Arch Manning, who's the backup quarterback right now at Texas, he's Peyton Manning's nephew, is making $2.7 million on NIL deals. So he's making triple, basically, uh, Brock Purdy's salary by being a backup quarterback at Texas. This entire thing has got me to say that NALs is a way to to make money. And because it's then in a way viewed as a job, which I know it shouldn't be because it is amateur sports, but the way it's twisted is it can be viewed as a job depending on where you're going because social media influencing or not necessarily a job, but now that influencing is a thing, it's, I might be saying the wrong thing. I haven't thought this thought fully through. But it's in a way like an internship is I'm going to this college to be like, hey, can I be enough of an influencer that when I leave here, I don't even need to go to the pros. I've developed enough of a social media influence that I'm popular just because it's me. Um, I'm not on the side of liking influencers. I, I, don't get me wrong. Yes, I lose my mind on TikTok and Instagram, but uh, being an influencer is it has talent. You know what? I'm not going to get into an influencer segment as well. <laughs> this is a transfer portal segment. And what all this is trying to say is if I can't make money at my school on the NIL, why not do a transfer portal to go somewhere else? It's like a real life job. Um, I'm not committing to somewhere for four years. Yes, I've said I'm going to work with you indefinitely. Uh, but if I find out that Joe Blow down the street is offering more money, why not be able to move to that opportunity? Yeah, I, th- I think it opens up an interesting conversation there, John, because... Sure, I lost a lot there, of people there. I'm sorry, yeah. There, we'll, we'll tie it all back in. Uh, <laughs> for me, it's one of those ones where I think there is a bit of a commitment, right? Like, even when you say, like, I'm going to go to your school, it, we call it a commitment, right? Like, there's the day where you sign your paperwork. And uh, I think with the transfer portal, I, I get the idea of chasing the money that you can make. But... Being a student athlete is more than just the NIL deals, right? It's, and this gets into a totally different conversation because some athletes do not go to school for school. They're going for the sports side of things. Um, But if a school was the right fit one year ago, what all of a sudden changes apart from NIL deals, right? And I think in some ways it's really hard to build a team if all of a sudden a year later, 
maybe your team is super successful and you're a mid-major school in basketball or you're a smaller school not in a power five conference in football everyone there has an opportunity probably to leave and go to a bigger school if the if the offer's there they'll probably take it and so your program gets gutted and it's hard to then start to rebuild from that yes and see in that situation i, I definitely see that side of it but i'm a firm believer of NCAA being corrupt and coaches and NCAA doing what they can to take advantage of it. So, and I don't want to speak for you, but it's certain things where, and not to say my case is, is hardcore there. I, I definitely had a lot of more external reasons, but when you're saying you went to that school to go there, what changed? So for, for me, I, I used to be a rower. And when I was kind of picking between schools, I remember the coach of UVic at the time when he was recruiting me mentioned that, when I get there, my first year is going to be similar to an American program where I'm competing against these American universities and I'm, I'm actually in races my first year. Then I get there, we actually don't have a single race. Turns out he couldn't line up any races. And I, I wouldn't say it's his fault. He tried his hardest. But coaches will make promises during the recruiting process that they cannot follow through on. And yes, there are the few players that they hit every promise. But there's going to be the few players where they don't hit the promise or um, coaches will. And it's, it's similar like what my father said, like in, in terms of jobs is they don't necessarily have a huge commitment to you. So, yes, I've committed to the school, but I can guarantee you if I commit to the school as a starting quarterback, but next year the team has a chance to recruit the quarterback who's actually better than me, they're going to try. They're not going to sit back and be like, well, actually. John said yes to us, so we're going to stick with him for four years and then see what happens after him. If they have the opportunity to get the better player, they're going to do it. So this puts a bit of the player power in the player's hands as well of saying, well, hey, if you can do the same thing of recruiting a star to start over me, why can't I go to another school where I have the opportunity to start if you're just going to move on from me anyway? I, I can't argue with that, John. There's definitely tons of examples of broken promises that happen, I'm sure, across sports, and it's very much a what have you done for me lately. And I agree with you. It's it's a good opportunity for that power to be in the player's hands as well, um, because there are times where things don't work out. I, I just think there's a little bit of a balance. And I think players need to be careful about the reasons why they choose to leave. Uh, and I think that's where it comes into it, right? And as long as they've got the right people around them to help guide them through that decision, um, you just don't want to end up with having any regrets for making a short-sighted decision, short-sighted decision uh, to make that change because maybe it was a good fit and you just need to give it a bit more time. But every case is is very specific to the individual. No, that's actually a very valid point. And and you having said that makes me initially think and kind of flick that light bulb that my reasons for transfer portal with the NIL might not be the best because I could definitely see the other argument of these people as much as it's a job they're also everybody uses the terms they're viewed as kids they're, they're still in that learning phase where and I'm, again i don't want to get side segmented into how the different generation how the new generation different things are being raised but if our idea is you don't need to commit you can say i'm going to go to this school but if you just decide to change your mind because you think the grass is green on the other side i'm just going to decide to jump ship that's not really teaching the next generation about that loyalty and commitment. And I'm not going to say loyalty and commitment is a huge thing. Cause again, as I flip back, I said companies and coaches will say they had the loyalty and commitment until the prettier star comes along. So I do see that, but I also see the side of 
Um, you've committed here, uh, sit it out and work it out. I also, I mean, just being a competitor, I also see the side of, you know what? I came to Alabama because I thought it was a great football school. And I think that if I start here, it's going to set my career up. I'm going to battle for that starting job, regardless of who's in my room. Um, I think that says a lot, but I mean, everybody lives their lives differently, but me personally, I respect the player who's willing to battle out for the starting position as opposed to the player who's just like, you know what, I'm going to run from the competition and go somewhere where I know I'm going to start. But on the flip side, I also see the side of, it is a tough risk because this, again, is an internship and a tryout for the NFL where do I want to risk my tryout on the chance that I'm going to start or do I know I'm going to start somewhere where I'm guaranteed to get that playing footage that the teams are going to see. So again, it's, Alabama's a better team. So being a backup quarterback in Alabama, you're still potentially a better quarterback than the starter of University of Massachusetts. But when you're starting on the University of Massachusetts, you have more film to show the NFL coaches. So, yeah, I don't know. It all comes around where I like the transfer portal because it, I don't know, again, it puts the player power in the player's hands and takes it away from the coaches and the corrupt NCAA. Yeah, I, I'm going to add a little bit to that because I agree there's the exposure versus, you know, the the competition side of it. Um, I know a school we've talked about in the past for tight ends, University of Iowa, right? Iowa, it's, tight end you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With them as a school, one of the things I think about, or it can also be Alabama, as you were saying, for a variety of positions. If you are going into practice every day against a team that, that is that good, right, at developing that position or just developing players as a whole, you might not get that chance in year one or year two, but because with football, there's that amount of time you have to spend in university before you get to the NFL draft. There's a lot to be said about that opportunity to develop. And as you were saying, if someone transfers out of that school for more exposure, maybe they have more game tape, but are they losing out on what's available to them from a coaching side, from a competition side? So again, it's it's a complicated situation. It's no, all that's about actually the individual. A very good point. I haven't thought this fully through. My rebuttal to that is mm-hmm. solely on the NBA side of things. Okay, you can be a one and done in college basketball. Absolutely. So yes, I agree that practicing with the Kentucky players is going to make me a better player than if I was practicing with the no knock than the University of Hawaii basketball team. Both NCAA teams. But yes, I agree. The Kentucky team is the one that's going to get me in shape better. But basketball being one and done, I can be a backup point guard in Kentucky for two years and start. And then when I start my third year, I have a better overall career and I'm better set up for the NBA. But I could also easily get injured my first two years as a backup. Because I could have an amazing season at the University of Hawaii as a starter, I then make the NBA and I sign my rookie deal. So the injury could still happen the same year, but I'm already in the NBA with my NBA deal, not I've ruined my career and now the NBA teams are looking at me differently and I've just lost my chances. So again, I know this one's specific to the NBA and I haven't fully thought through the argument, but there is a side of the future is so unpredictable that am I going to sit back and, and, and wait for the right opportunity or am I going to try and showcase my abilities to make the league now? I mean, yeah, it's a good that, point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. This is where we get to pull in the NIL as well, though, because at the University of Kentucky, maybe that's there for someone who's 
six, seven, eight on the roster. So it's it's all hard to say, right? No, but that's you know, me not having that. fully fleshed out that thought. Because players will look at it differently. I was actually on my drive home yesterday. I was listening to the ESPN radio. I wanted to give a shout out to them, but I cannot remember who it is now. They had Ricky Williams on. Um, Ricky Williams had said that his passion for football wasn't as high as people thought. He was good at football. It's what he did to make money, but I can't say he had a driving passion for football. And I can imagine there's a lot of players in the league that do that. Now, I think some fans crap on the players that admit this, that just say, I'm here because I'm good. A lot of people joke about it, and I'm, I'm going to use him as the example, as the joke. I know the passion's there. Nikola Jokic. That mother effer treats basketball like a nine to five, and he shows up because he's the greatest in the world at doing it. But he might not have the biggest passion for basketball. So where I'm tying this to saying is Ricky Williams said he had that. So if Ricky Williams had the opportunity to potentially make nine to ten million dollars through a four-year career in college football, he probably wouldn't have gone to the NFL and risked his body and gotten concussions that he did and gone through the things that he went through. So I do see your point there of saying that now with NILs as a thing, I don't need to go to the NBA to make money. I could be a backup point guard in Kentucky and make the amount of money that when I retire from NCAA and retire from basketball, I've actually already got $8 million in the bank and I can invest this and I can build this into something in the future. So, dang. And, and that's the reality. For, yeah, that's the reality for most of the players, right? As you were saying, using the NBA as the example, the draft is so small, the number of teams in the NCAA, so many, 120 plus. So it is it is a huge opportunity for people. Especially football players, dude. I totally, if I made $10 million being the quarterback for USC, I would highly debate. Actually, I don't know, because if you're if you're a star player and you sign that number one pick, you're set for life with football money. Um, but there's the risk. I but again, you might risk, not be right? the person that wants that high and fancy lifestyle. You might be perfectly fine driving the Toyota Corolla, living in the apartment in the place that's not expensive to live in. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know what? I have thought about it. The transfer portal has its flaws. Again, I, I thought that it was a flawless system. You, you've opened my eyes there, Ian. Um, I'm on the belief that NIL is flawless. You're not going to, you're not going to deny me differently on that. Some people have said that they don't like the NIL because it's unfair that the football team, like the football players will make more money. Um, I mean, it, this is going to sound harsh. And I don't mean it in any bad way. And again, not fully thought through, but it's, it's the decisions that kind of people make. It's, it's kind of the way life is. It's the same thing with professional sports. So if people sit back and say, well, that's not fair that, um, Caleb Williams gets to make a lot more money than me when I'm actually the star of my tennis team that just won the national championship. It's also tough to say because. In the NFL, the football player is going to make more money than the tennis player on average. So I don't, I don't, there's just certain things are saying the it's unfair because it's the sport. It's the sport that people choose. It's the same thing with jobs. I can go to school for eight years and bust my butt and become a lawyer and make a lot of money, or I can decide to not make money and do something else. Um, that's a bad example because the tennis player is still busting their butt just as hard as the basketball player is. That was a very I bad think, example. I'm sorry. I think it's exposure. We'll 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 wrap it up with that, right? Like yeah. exposure for the market you live in. And so, you know, maybe the top tennis school, I have no idea what school it is. I have no idea how much they could maybe make an NIL deal, but maybe there is more earning opportunity there for someone because the city that the school is in embraces that the fact that they have the best tennis program 
in the in the country. So exposure is the thing that I think matters the most at the yeah. end of the day. Plus, I mean, you pick the sport that's popular. When you're a kid, I mean, yeah, your kind of parents have you do something, and and your your height and your abilities pick out certain things, but you you can pick and choose which sports you want to play and and you can pick and choose the one that you know you're going to make money off that might not have a great chance to be a sport a pro player or you can pick the one that's going to have the higher opportunity to be a pro player but not make a lot of money so your choice kids i like the nil i like the transfer portal um again i like anything that takes a power out of the ncaa's hands i firmly believe both of these do All right, everybody, and here we are, Christmas Eve, the day before Christmas. I'm joined by my really good friend, Ian. What's up, Ian? Hey, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, John. Glad to join you. Yeah, no uh, no problem at all. Glad, uh, glad to have you aboard. And uh, today we're going to be doing our kind of Christmas edition on the sports world. And we're going to kick this off, ladies and gentlemen, with an NBA starting five fantasy draft of Christmas characters. Might be like, what the heck does that mean, John? You're going to figure it out after the first two to three picks. So without further ado, Ian, you are the guest. Who's your number one pick? Okay. First of all, this was a segment that I had a lot of fun researching. <laughs> um, I'm going to I'm gonna kick it off with my center, um, roughly seven feet tall, Krampus. He is going to be an intimidator in the paint. He is... It's a horror movie. He scares children, steals their souls. So yeah, he's going to be my paint protector. <laughs> it's Krampus. Yeah, no, that's pretty terrifying. You know what? Um, oof. I might want to pick somebody to go match that size, but I don't think I'm going to pick somebody to match the size. I'm going to kind of pick somebody that I think cannot die. John McClain, ladies and gentlemen. John McClain's my shooting guard. He's the shooter. Pew, pew. You can't get past him. He's going to be able to do everything. He's a leader of my team. He brings the intensity, cannot die, will not die, will play defense, will do everything on offense. John McClain, shooting guard. Okay, well, I, I am going to tell you who I'm going to match up against John McClain because uh, this guy is going to be a defensive specialist. He's going to shut John McClain down. I, I think he has a good three ball as well, so we'll see the offensive upside, but I'm going with the Grinch. If, if this man can steal Christmas, I don't think there's anything he can't steal. So he's going to be a ball hawk defender for my team going up against your team. Well, that's not bad. That's not bad. The guy who, who I'm going to take now, you know, I'm surprised he's dropped this far. This guy is just uber athletic. I don't think you're going to see somebody that's going to be able to, to have the hang time that he does and, and really, you know, put the team on his back. He is super clutch. You know, I'm going to say it. I've never seen a more clutch performance than what he's been able to put off. So as my small forward, stretch, do it all, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. When you talk about clutch people, who has come up more in clutch than saving Christmas? It's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. When you need him in the fourth quarter, he's going to be there. He's a high flyer. Get it done. Rudolph, he's my small forward. He, he's also got he's got a strong mental game because if he can save christmas after what he endured as a young reindeer you know can't you stop him on, so i like does, the pick john i like the, pick. the bottom of the pole he's just he's gonna step up and get it done when it needs to get yeah. done yeah overtime fourth quarter doesn't phase him I'm saying. uh well i i'm gonna go back to my bigs 
Um, I'm going to go with Klaus from Klaus on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen screenshots, but I've, I've just, I'm assembling a roster of bigs and he, he's an absolute unit. So matching him up uh, with your team is going to be good. But also just pairing him up with the, you know, Krampus. I, I think you're going to have a hard time getting to the bucket. Klaus is a big boy. I'm not going to lie, ladies and gentlemen. I almost picked Klaus with my last one because I needed some kind of a matchup with Krampus. Um, one of the things that I'm hoping gives me the edge, Klaus, he's top heavy. Uh, I, I've seen Klaus. He, he's he's big on the top. Klaus doesn't necessarily have those legs. So one of the people that, that, that I'm now going to pick, he's going to be my size. He's going to start to match up. And I think he's just strong all over. He's an absolute beast. He's an absolute unit. It's the abominable snowman from the movie Rudolph. You know, he's that big boy. He can, he can get up to nine feet tall if he wants to be. He's kind of like Mario. He picks his size. He can be anywhere from seven feet to nine feet big. Abominable Superman, strong all over. He's not just top heavy. He's going to be my guy down in the paint, the enforcer. Um, get it done. Abominable Snowman, big boy. And Krampus versus the Abominable Snowman. So it's going to be a good matchup down there. Um, I'm, I'm going to go small forward now on my team. Uh, guy who's a natural athlete, only really saw him playing hockey, but I'm going to go with Buddy the Elf. I think I think he's just going to rise to the occasion, and I think he's got that natural athleticism in him. So he's going to be my small forward. So again, pretty sizable roster. So we'll have to see what I do with my point guard just to give it a little bit more agility, quickness, speed. You know, that that's a, that is a pretty big roster. One of the things that I, I think I'm now going to throw him in here, I'm, I, again, I am surprised he's falling this far. Uh, you just pick Buddy. Buddy, he he's super super kind. Uh, uh, that elf, um, my, my kind guy, Frosty the Snowman. And I'm slapping him over there, power forward. Um, I think he's just you park him down there. He, very immovable object. If if you get if you get him marched down there and big enough, it's it's tough to move that snowman. And he he's going to be able to roll all around you. You know. Frosty the Snowman, I, I also think that pick and pop game, he can hit the shot from the free throw line. He's like that LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, you know, some might even say Dirk Nowitzki. He's got the outside game. So so Frosty the Snowman is my pick right there. Surprised he's dropped this far into the fourth round. I cannot wait to see Frosty's fadeaway. That's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch if he's like Dirk. So he just sticks that stick up in the air. Oh yeah. <laughs> money. Just money. That's what I'm hearing from you, John. So uh I I think I'm down to my last player pick here, um, and I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised. I'm kind of surprised he's cards. fallen. Yeah, so I'm going to go with someone who is agile, is quick, saved his house when he was left home alone. Kevin McAllister, you saw how he worked his way around the house trying to you know defeat the wet bandits. So I think he's going to run laps on the court as well. So that's my that's my starting five: Krampus at center. Klaus at power forward, Buddy the Elf at small forward, the Grinch at shooting guard, and Kevin McAllister as my ball handler and point guard. You know, that's pretty good. I think who's going to be my point guard, the guy matching up against him, the guy that's getting my duties. And I'm going to be honest with you, picking this guy, he he's a very good just glue player, team player, keeps everything together. It's Olaf. Some of you are going to say, hey, Olaf from Frozen. Frozen's not a Christmas movie. Get out of here. Olaf has his own Christmas movie, people, because he's that amazing. He gets his standalone movie. Olaf's going to be the guy. And yeah, you know, he might not be the best point guard. He might not be the best pick out there. But Frosty and, and Olaf, that that pick and roll combination, I mean, they basically invented the pick and roll. So F Frosty and, and Olaf, they, they've got that connection. 
Um, I mean, if you even want to throw it in there, the Abominable Snowman, I, I've got that trio. I basically got the Entente Compus of the MB, of the of the fantasy draft Christmas NBA. So I think that connection on the court is why I'm going to keep Olaf. Olaf, he's small enough; he's able to get into those quick areas. He 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 is speedy. I mean, if if you haven't seen Olaf, check out his highlight tapes. He's got a quick. Um, he, he almost went to the NFL. He's got a very fast 40 yard dash. He ran a 4-1 40-yard dash. He was just a little too small. He was going to get beat up a bit too much in the football league. So he decided to switch his course over to the NBA, where he developed again that pick and roll with Frosty. So my starting five, I've got Olaf at point guard. I've got John McClain at shooting guard. John McClain's just the leader of my team. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer out there, and most clutch of them all, hanging out at small forward. Frosty the Snowman, who again, that pick and roll game, the pick and pop game, Frosty the Snowman at power forward. And finally, Abominable Snowman's just in there being the enforcer. And I'm now going to throw a little caveat into this fantasy draft. We've got to pick coaches. I'm going Mrs. Claus. Mrs. Claus. I like the pick. I mean, realistically, Mrs. Claus, we all know, is the one that really runs Christmas. Everybody yeah, knows that. 100%. Mr. Claus is the one that does everything, but Mrs. Claus is the brains behind the operation that without Mrs. Claus there, Christmas would not work. Mrs. Claus is running my team because if she's in charge of Christmas and get it get it done in a one-night span, I'm pretty sure she can lead this team to a championship. Yeah, uh, I agree with you on that there, John. So I think that's a good pick for your coach. I'm going to go with the conductor from the Polar Express. I mean, seen it he all. can, can be seen a conductor on a train. He can help keep the spirit of Christmas alive. Why not just transfer that to the basketball court? I think he's just going to be a good game manager on the bench. Uh, but something I realized with my roster, because you know you have Olaf. Olaf's kind of like Buddy the Elf on my team. Just huge positivity guy on your roster. Oh yeah. But other other than Buddy the Elf, I kind of I feel like I've developed a bit of like the bad boys, like the early '90s Pistons, where we're just going to be gritty and and playing with a bit of attitude. So I think that that's the identity my roster has. My identity is. Merry flipping Christmas, everybody. This was a lot of fun to do. Hope you had fun listening to it. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. It's Christmas Eve. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. And that marks the end of this Christmas Eve episode. I hope you had a lot of fun listening to that last segment there. If not, I'm sorry you had to sit through it, but it was a lot of fun for me recording it. Um, just kind of throws it off a little bit it's a christmas spirit having fun with friends uh where i'm gonna leave this off is as i said in my previous episode i'm taking next week off so there won't be an episode on the 31st new year's eve not doing that one i can't say i'm gonna be getting drunk i mean i most likely will be but i'm just gonna take a bit of time off let's see you know what i can have one ready so we're we're, we're gonna have one ready for the 7th um don't hold me to it. There's a chance it's going to be the 7th. You know what? It's it. We're declaring right now. Hold me to it. January 7th, we're going to have an episode, um, but we're taking New Year's Eve off. So, again, I hope you had a lot of fun listening to there. I hope it was a little bit educational on that college football take with me and Ian. Um, but I'm not going to hold you any longer. Get back to your families. Merry Christmas. And, as always, Hakuna Matata. <laughs>